Hello friends, welcome to God's Eagle Ministries. At God's Eagle Ministries, we are seeding the nations with God's word and God himself is transforming lives through the timeless truth in his word. God's Eagle Ministries Discipleship Channel. Our vision, we envision a united Christian world through Christ-centered, obedience-based disciple making. Our mission, we are one in Christ Jesus. We exist to foster unity of spirit and faith among the saints. The scripture that formed the bedrock for the ministry is Ephesians 4, uh, verses 3 and 13, Psalms 1, 3, 3, verses 1 to 3, John 17, 21, Matthew 28, 19, John 8, 31, and John 16, 13. Uh, today is uh, Sunday, the 10th, uh, the 10th of July, 2022, and uh, the title came from Equa Plateau Church here in Jos, where we worship today. And um, the title we crafted from here, this is not the title that came up, but we crafted this uh, from uh, the message that we took out. The greatest weapon Christians have, but hardly put to use. What is it? Or the greatest weapon on earth Christians have, but lying dusty on shelves for lack of use. What is it? And the scripture that uh, was uh, uh, spoken about today, or preached about today, was Luke 10, 25 to 37. And I read from Amplified Bible Christ Classic Edition. And then a certain lawyer arose to try, test, tempt him, saying, Teacher, what am I to do to inherit everlasting life? That is, to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself and Jesus said to him you have answered correctly do this and you will live enjoy active blessed endless life in the kingdom of God and he determined to acquit himself of reproach said to Jesus and uh, Jesus and who is my neighbor Jesus taking up replied a certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he fell among robbers one stripped him of his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way, unconcern, uh, unconcernedly, leaving him half dead as it happened. Now, by coincidence, a certain priest was going down along that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A Levite, likewise, came down to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a certain Samaritan, as he traveled along, came down to where he was, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity and sympathy for him, and went to him and dressed his wounds, pouring on them oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I myself will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? He answered, The one who showed pity and mercy to him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Now, yes, so the message I, I mentioned again is uh, today, Sunday, 10th of July 2022. It's coming from Equa Plateau Church in Jos, where we worship with our brethren today. So enjoy the sermon and I'll talk to you at the end. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye. Or to ask them for articles. And they say each 
woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and clothing and you will put them on your sons and your daughters so you will plunder the Egyptians. They were neighbors. And it continues across to see that in the Old Testament they were told even to some extreme in Psalm 139 Psalm 139 verse 21 and verse 22 the psalmist says something that is often being misunderstood here but Jesus countered it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 the psalmist says Lord don't I hate those who hate you I detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with perfect hatred. I consider them my enemies. <laughs> now, some people quote that today. Yeah, if somebody hates you, you hate him. But what does Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 says? Jesus says, I do not come to cancel you. I count you all. It is said, when you are slapped here, you revenge, but I tell you, turn the other cheek. You are told, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy as yourself. That's exactly. And so, in the Old Testament, God encouraged foreigners living among Egyptians, I mean, among the Israelites, that they should show them love. Even the poor, when you harvest, leave some for them to scavenge. If it's a fruit tree, don't pluck all. Leave some for the poor. That's why when Judas was thinking Jesus was wasting this expensive oil, he said we could have sold it and get money to the poor because he was a thief. And Jesus said you will always have poor people among you. And so God has planned that we will be of help be of support, will be of encouragement to one another. My sister was sharing the testimony today and she was saying something that I experienced. Sometimes it seems we are, we feel ashamed to receive help during the COVID. You know, I have learned through my profession as a missionary, I have learned to ask. Matthew 7, 7 say, ask, knock, seek, I've learned that some people think it's it's begging. When the church was giving some supplies to those who need, they made a general announcement. If you have need for food, there is food, come and collect. Some people were shying away from it. When you are hungry and you are shy like me, you will die of hunger. Ask. Don't be ashamed to ask. And I like the idea of the church thinking of providing support for those who might be in need. But those who are in need must speak out. Those who are in need must come out. What is it that stops me from making my need known? Let's make our needs known to one another. And that's the backdrop to that. So in the New Testament, of course the lessons in our contemporary world today for this uh, 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 is this thing going too, too
too fast. Okay. Okay, I'll say a few things, then I'll go to that. That Jesus was in this parable redefining what a neighbor is, both broadly and and inclusively. You see, a violation of Jewish tradition and understanding comes from this that the term which is included for the Samaritans that Samaritans had kept the law yeah the Samaritan kept the law as God intended by loving his neighbor as he loved himself the mercy which he showed to the Samaritan makes him a neighbor and a neighbor is not restricted to your relation or to proximity somebody that you are nearby your neighbor is not necessarily somebody from the same denomination no it's not restricted to that it is not restricted to somebody of a different race if it was Jews and Samaritans because of that misunderstanding they are of different races but neighbor neighborliness crosses all this boundary denomination tribe belief system anything but today I find a challenge that a mother Christian looks down on an Egon Christian we allow our culture our tradition to overpower what God says an evil Christian feels more superior than a northern Christian. Originalism comes in. Neighborliness crushes this. When you are about to see and help a neighbor, it doesn't matter whether he's tall or short, whether he's black or blue, whether he is whatever, whether he's of a different denomination. There was a time churches were being born in Kaduna in those days and somebody asked was that Baptist church burnt they said no there are equal and others he said thank God it's not Baptist and I said thank God it's not their Baptist church could he be a neighbor no and so whoever wherever regardless of race denomination belief Jesus teaches us to love that love is an action not just a feeling Love is not a theory. And love sometimes requires shouldering other people's burdens. It requires. Love is, I mean, love is sometimes an uncomfortable process. So a neighbor, according to Jesus, means to come alongside somebody. Nationality, tribe, religion, denomination does not matter doesn't matter in this context and that should not surpass our faith and its duties this is what we must keep in mind whenever we consider who is a neighbor race, tribe denomination nationality is not important it's not important tribe is not important How can we apply this 
in the contemporary society. It's not easy. The world is much bigger now. The world is even more complex today. The problems are even larger today. And the potential of danger is even higher today. You could bend down to help somebody or you could take somebody who is beaten like this man and take him to the police station and the police can hold you to answer questions. So sometimes we pass by. We look at the characters later. Maybe those were the reasons they had. But no reason. As long as we are in Christ, as long as the Spirit of God leads us to do something, whether it's risky, it doesn't have to make sense. We must obey. And God will protect us. And I said the world is full of so many opinions today. Some years back, I watched a small movie. I just got an attention. They say right to kill. And the question was, if you are a doctor and somebody has a terminal illness and they know that you spend any amount of money, he will eventually die anyway. So the question is, is it right to help him to die? And then they, so many people, the bishop talk, a pastor talk, an atheist talk, a Muslim spoke, uh, and so many opinions. So many opinions. Some say, yeah, it's right, and they gave their reason. Some say it's wrong, then, and they gave their reason. But the final answer is that if you simply say yes without any explanation, when somebody quarrels with his girlfriend and she dumps him, he will go and commit suicide. He will say, I have the right to kill myself, isn't it? So they said, the answer is not easy. You are walking on a slippery road. Be careful. So the world has so much, so many opinions. And they varied. And methods and means at our disposal are vast. So today, suppose you see a stranger. And you allow him to come in the name of being a good Samaritan. Suppose he pulls a gun on your head at home. What would you do? It's risky. So therefore, we should not do it because of that risk. No. I said, when Christ is in you and you are in Christ, Christ will not put you into danger. That's why the question, how can a person be born again, was important there. And so, as we go on, I looked at in this context. When I went on pilgrimage, 3% in Jordan are Christians. 97% are Muslims. Our tour guide has a master's degree in theology. A tour guide. No, he's a professor. So I was asking what is the secret of you living at peace and preaching the gospel here? He says, all we do, we try to be good Samaritans here. And I said, can you tell me more? He said, we have the same culture the same uh, mode of everything in our culture we live together so we just try to be light and salt I said give me one example it says in a village setting if a Muslim woman gives birth and for some reason she dies the Christian woman they will find a Christian woman who gave birth in that neighborhood to come and breastfeed 
child of the woman who died and left. And they kept loving them and they kept serving them. And he said, The gospel, you don't have to open your mouth to speak about Jesus because controversy will come. You love them, and some of them, when they go to church, they will come. See, this must be nice people, and they will listen to the gospel. Talking face to face. So being good Samaritan could be loving, serving somebody. And he told me, I remember recording a clip with him. And each time I watched that clip, and I said, God help us in our nation that we live with unbelievers as true neighbors. We will not argue, we will not quarrel over doctrinal issues. And of course, like I said, of the questions that Jesus was asked there were doctrinal questions there were ethical questions that they asked Jesus if you read Matthew 22 there were sets of questions that they asked Jesus but Jesus asks personal questions so issues of just doctrine theology can bring arguments I wrote a text this morning to my Muslim friend and I was wondering you know in Kabir it's about the sacrifice that Abraham made we said he made it for Isaac they said he made it for Ishmael so I was wondering how should I word it how should I word it so that but I put it and immediately he replied he said may, may Allah help us to be good neighbors to, to live sacrificially like Ibrahim did we are walking along that road and I, I will see where we will reach with him. And so the whole of this parable, now I'm beginning, I'm, I'm coming to start my sermon now because this is where the lessons begin. Okay? From verses 30 to verse 37, all this was preamble, okay? Now this parable is about several things. It's about love, brotherhood, compassion, ministering, and caring. Okay? That is what it is all about. And the focus of this parable is on this. Love, brotherhood, compassion, ministering, and caring. And the characters in this parable, it's good to take a look at the characters. Number one is the traveler. Number two is the priest number three is the Levite number four is the good Samaritan and we can learn lessons from all of them maybe number five is the armed robbers is the bandits I don't know what lesson we can learn from that but there are lessons we should learn particularly from the traveler so Great. And I say the focus of that parable is based on that. And as we go, if you look at the traveler, there are many questions that comes to your mind. If you have ever been to Jerusalem, going down to Jericho, you will understand. Maybe in those days, now there are excellent road networks that when you are going up a hill, you won't feel it. There are no potholes. 
But in those days, you climb and people travel in caravans, in horses. And the law forbids that you travel on that road alone. In fact, that road is called the way of blood. That's what that road is called. And so I ask questions. How many of us are reckless in life, exposing and destroying our bodies by walking where we should not walk and doing what we should not do? Was this man wise to travel alone? That, those are the questions that come in mind. So, the lesson we should learn is that we must not expose ourselves. Please, uh, can you turn uh, to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3 and Hosea chapter 14 and verse 9 and shoot it here for me. For the lesson, we must be wise. This is even more clear today that when I was National Director of the Navigators, we came with a policy. Our staff once it's late, don't travel as a policy. We need to be wise. If in those days the traveler was attacked, what's the possibility that today we are more safe? We are not as safe. And we need to watch it. We need to be wise. We need to keep security of our homes very well. You know, there was a certain year, in one year, they visited my house four times. The fifth time I wasn't around, but the time they got me in the house, it was hell on earth, and I began to raise dogs to help protect me. I thought I wasn't wise. Can you shoot on the screen Proverbs 22 3? Proverbs 22 3 and Hosea 14 9. So let's learn the lesson. They say, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself but the simple pass on and are punished please next share with me NIV because King James uh, I struggle with it a prudent man a wise man he sees danger ahead and protects himself what about Hosea chapter 14 verse 9 Hosea Who is wise? He shall understand these things. Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and just and shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. They shall fall therein. Let's be wise, brethren, and do what is right. That's about the traveler. I'm not saying it was his fault, but he should have been more cautious. I know no matter how we pray and how cautious we are, if the Lord permits anything to happen, you will be happier. If you drop your car, no security, you leave key on the ignition and it is stolen. Maybe you have yourself to be blamed too. You are not wise. Do all you can so that when it happens, you will be pleased that I did all I could. The traveler. So the priest... What could we learn from the priest here? Did he place his religious work and ceremony before the welfare of his fellow human being? 
The Bible says he passed on the other side. He saw, he passed on the other side. What happened? What was his work? My work was to preach, that's all. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. Maybe that's what he thought. I don't know how to treat wounds. He passed on the other side means he rushed away. That's what the Bible says. So how many of us put work, even our religious work, our business, how many of us put it before helping others? How many of us put church programs, church activities, and all the church ceremonies and rituals before the needs of desperate people? Do we think helping somebody, supporting somebody is not preaching the gospel? Sometimes it's like we say, okay, uh, I'm serving God, I will go to church. It is when I go to church that I serve God. No. Paul says our lives are written letters that people read. So also our actions, our attitudes, our love, our care is the gospel. We have become moving gospels that move around. Can you put Matthew 25 verse 41 to verse 43 and Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Matthew 25 verse 41 to 43 and Micah 6, 8. That's part of the lesson for the priest. Then we move to the Levite. Matthew says, Then shall he say unto them in the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. That's interesting. Exactly what this priest did, isn't it? Who was supposed to do those? What he was supposed to do, he didn't do. That's amazing. And we know sometimes like that. And I said, this is something I'm struggling with. I'm really going to tell you. Okay, Micah, he has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what do the Lord requires of thee? But do justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with the Lord. That's what God expects from this priest and from all of us. Yet he did virtually the very opposite. We talk about this Matthew passage later in the later verses. The Levite. The Levite. Can you release me? Okay. Next slide. The Levite here, I'm just wondering, did he play safety? 
did he play safety for compassion maybe he was going to make sacrifices maybe he was fearing that if I bend down to help this man this number of us are hiding maybe why couldn't the Levite do something maybe the Levite did not want his priestly clothes to be soiled because the tradition said the priest should not touch a dead body maybe he didn't want to do that maybe and are we not like that sometimes you are traveling along the road and somebody has an accident and you feel if I help the police might indict me if I help my car will be soiled if I help and you have different reasons it's, oh I'm in hurry I don't have time a story was told about a doctor who is supposed to be a Christian doctor he had an appointment with his wife and he was late and he was rushing and there was an emergency and he said sorry I have an appointment with my wife and he left and he waited for his wife at the appointment place the wife disappointed him and he came back the victim of the accident was his wife and when he came she had died he never forgave himself he never forgave himself he said I contributed to my wife's death and so next when he said help tell the liver left the good Samaritan who is the star of this movie here the good Samaritan plays compassion before everything he plays compassion over prejudice over opinions of people he plays compassion over his work his time his energy and his money for him, that is what matters. Like the simple answer this Muslim gave me, I helped you so that one day when I too have a problem, somebody will help me. God will bring help. So the good Samaritan teaches us beyond the question who your neighbor is. Yes. He gave his heart he gave his compassion. He gave his all in all in order to help a desperate man. Here is my story. I said I was struggling with something. I ministered to, we call them focus. And this man and his wife, I got to know him through another Muslim who has become a believer help this Muslim, I disciple, I equip him, and he equips that man. Then once in a while we come together to study and interact. Then suddenly, this man becomes ill. Some of you know the story. He becomes ill, but there is a complex side. They had serious marital problems, and the wife leaves him with the children. I was involved first when he dis discharged himself from the hospital and left. And of course, the wife called because she was kept. And I picked the children home. But when he got back to his senses, he was looking for his wife. Uh, she noticed he might come to look for him in my house. 
So she left with the children. I didn't know where. He came very sick, very hungry, like the man beaten on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And I asked my wife, what do we do? We have to feed him and we have to give him a place to stay. And for days, we didn't know what to do. We had to take him to the hospital and we looked for his people who had become Christians and everything. And for three weeks, we were on that. His bills are piling up in the hospital. We spoke to brethren. They gave. We paid bills up to a hundred plus thousand naira. And his people did it. Right now, he's still in the hospital. He has been discharged. He's better. But there is a bill to be paid. It's not there I can do anything. Am I a good Samaritan? This is where my struggle is. But in between, I was... Uh, my wife is my witness. Sometimes I grumble. How long am I going to do this? Why is this? How is this? And this story keeps reminding me. Did the good Samaritan complain? I'm not really a good Samaritan. I'm not really. And I'm struggling with it. How far? How long? Would you go about helping the person? These are the questions that come to my mind. What shall I do? Now that he's discharged, should I look for more money? Should I bring him to my house? I said, no, I can't bring him to my house. And where did I get the money to pay the bills? Brethren get. And people think I'm very rich in this church. But I know that I'm not so rich. But I am a channel. I am a channel. Once you make needs known, there are people who can help after the sermon, after the sermon, I'm going to check him again because for two days I traveled and I was telling myself, okay, let him know what to do. Sometimes he can't walk from his bed then. You collect his urine, you buy food, you do everything, but it was a good opportunity. I gave him a house of Bible because it's cumbersome. I gave him material and we read the Bible and I can see his spirit waking up. Part of it, he was psychologically, he was losing his wife, his children. I said, don't your health is important. But I am saying that I'm struggling with that. So I ask myself, have I given my heart? Have I given my compassion? Have I given all that I have in order to help this desperate man? I am not doing well because I'm grumbling sometimes. May the Lord help us to serve others. And so what about the injured man? This good Samaritan took him in and helped him and paid his bills and asked the innkeeper to take care of him. Oh, he had a sense of common humanity. Much, much more than that. He said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm coming tomorrow. If any bills are accrued, I will pay it. Oh, this worry. How far, how long should this continue? God will give you the grace to do it. And you don't necessarily do it to be praised. You don't do it necessarily to receive gratitude. Suppose he gets well and abuses me to my face. What will I do? I'm ready for that. I'm prepared for that. But you would have saved a life. And the gospel can hang on in his life for a long time. So he did that. So the lesson, can you turn 
with, can you turn Matthew 25 now? From verse 35 to verse 40. Because for me, that is the lesson that Jesus speaks of those who were in prison, for those who had no food, for those who were sick, for those who had nothing, had no company. Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I said, please, go to verse 40. Uh, verse, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Continue, next. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. You came to my help. Next. Then shall the righteous answer to him, say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and we fed you? Or when were you thirsty and we gave you a drink? I'm reading it in my passion. Continue. When did we see you a stranger and we took you in? When did we see you naked and we clothed you? Continue. Or when did we see you sick and in prison and we came to your help? Continue. And the king will answer them and say to them, Verily, I said unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. And my eyes open. Sometimes we don't know that when we are helping somebody, we are actually helping Jesus. When we have an act of kindness to somebody, we are being kind to Jesus. That is what it came to me. Yes. The good Samaritan saw it that he should continue to do that. And I think the crux of the matter now, when Jesus saw all this, he told the lawyer, I'm just wondering, do you know that up to this point, Jesus did not answer the lawyer his question when he said, who is my neighbor? He didn't answer him. He went ahead to give a parable, give a parable, give a parable, and he asked him, these three, who is a neighbor? Do you know that this man did not even want to open his mouth to say the Samaritan? He didn't want to mention even that word. He said the one who helped him or the third one. He didn't want to mention. But then the lawyer didn't need any more answer. There was no need. He got the message. And what Jesus told him simply that go and do likewise. I think that's exactly what Jesus is telling every Christian concerning the good Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Live a life walking with God seeing needs and asking God to help you make meet need. You know, we got scriptures like it is more blessed to give than to receive. But we act the other way around. We feel more blessed to receive than to give. 
I don't know why we turn scriptures upside down. This is the crux of the matter. So, do you know that we fight, we wrestle, we struggle over issues. When there are people dying, people without food, people in prison, people without clothes, people who are beaten by the economy. And they are all around us. But we are talking Bible, we are talking scripture, we are talking religion. This is what Jesus says we should do. And I think this is the greatest time that this word has come to us. That the lawyer and all of us need to demonstrate love as we go about our daily affairs. We need to look for opportunities. We need to see needs. Don't say, I don't have the gift of giving. I have the gift of receiving. No, that's not the point. No. If you must receive, you must give. It's true. That's why I say I'm a channel. If you are just a bucket, if you receive, receive, it fools. You can't receive anymore. But you receive, you give, you receive, you give. It, it is more blessed. This is what the Bible says. Some of us are buckets. Some of us are containers. But God wants us to be channels through which he can pass his blessings. It could be encouragement. It could be love. It doesn't have to be money. It could be sympathy, compassion. I don't think we picked this man because we had the money. We knew that we could give him a place to stay. We knew that we could care for him. We knew that we could encourage him. We knew that we could pray with him. We knew that we could listen to him. He needed somebody to listen to him. That's all. And I think that is the cross of the matter. So the Lord's commission is very forceful. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And I believe that from now onwards, we begin to see me. And I'm begging that we shouldn't shy away. Don't see this meeting needs or asking for need as begging. Remove begging mentality. We are partners. Partners. Don't look for only donors. When you look for only people who will give you, you are looking at human beings like ATM. That you can go and tap the right number and get. No. God must lead you if you have Christ in you. And I feel that we must help our neighbors. We must find and know our neighbors. All those who are around us, who are hurting, who are suffering. It could be emotional suffering. It could be mental suffering. It could be physical suffering. For some, it's even spiritual suffering. Some are in deep ignorance of scripture. Deep ignorance. A lady came to me, they have a problem with her husband, and she tells me, I've already gone to the police, and the police said, I should, I should come to you, and I should come to somebody who will lead me. I said, why didn't you come to me first? She said, no. So now I was forced to go, isn't it? And what was she accusing the husband? Domestic violence, child abuse. What happened? And the story doesn't tally with domestic violence and child abuse. It doesn't tally. So she's making up stories. And we went to the police. Of course, she doesn't want, are you the one who is the unbeliever? 
then she backs out. Okay, uh, the Bible says that uh, you can give your wife a certificate of divorce. And I say, okay, well, we go to the passage. And they said, it was not like that from the beginning. It was because of the stubbornness of the Israelites. Who is stubborn among you? And then she backs out, she goes. For me, this is spiritual poverty. That we need to help people. Discipleship is about doing good Samaritan to people spiritually and we have all this platform and all these opportunities among us may the Lord Jesus help us to go and do likewise Father we thank you because we may claim we are good Samaritans we are not really we need you to help us we pray that your life in us will be more alive every day so that we will walk with you, so that we will hear you, so that you will guide and instruct and teach us the way we should go, so that we can see things through your eyes, we can have your perspective, we can have your heart, we can have your compassion and your love towards others. We too can receive from others that will create an environment for us to grow, to expand, and to bear much fruit. Help us as a church. Help us as individuals that this will happen all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. I hope you enjoyed the title today uh, from uh, the message we, where the title we crafted, The Greatest Weapon. Christians have but hardly put to use what is it uh, the greatest weapon on earth Christians have but uh, lying dusty on shelves for lack of use what is it I hope that uh, this uh, has well, you've learned about that weapon and you will put them to use this week uh, and the days and the months ahead I and, um, if you uh, blessed by this channel I ask that you subscribe or like this content if you've been blessed by it and um, share wide the content. Take care and God's blessing. Bye-bye.